Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the Heming Brainiac List podcast, the best podcast ever. Talking about of human bondage, chapter 26. I like Weeks. He's a no-nonsense guy. Strange name, though, Weeks. When I first read the, the first sentence, I think it was, with his name, Weeks, uh, I was didn't realize it was a name, and my little brain had a, had, had a meltdown. <laughs> I could not compute took me like three reads to uh, understand what the heck was going on. Um, Entripper says, I like Weeks too. He calls it like he sees it. Doesn't seem to like, uh, sorry, doesn't seem like a wild and desperate barbarian to me. Hayward is looking like a bad influence for Philip. I wonder how long it will be before he asks for money. Swim said the mama fish, he said, as an American born and raised in the West, I quite like the moniker of wild and desperate barbarian. When I read it a couple of chapters ago, I laughed out loud. Not a bad moniker. Wild and desperate barbarian. Bit of a Wild West feel about it. Um, J.P. Guthrie said, Hayward is ringing all the alarm bells. Definitely not who he presents himself to be. Mmm, ominous. Foreshadowing. Very cool. That's all the conversation. Very short one tonight, and I'm grateful for that because I'm knackered. I am absolutely knackered. I um, I think that 1,100 calorie workout the night before last. Uh, yesterday I was basically just sore from it. <laughs> um, was it the night before last or was it yesterday? No, it was the day before yesterday. Um, and then um, today I was still kind of sore, but then I did a cup. I did a big long walk today, and I. I did a smaller 500 calorie session on my elliptical um, just now, about I don't know half an hour ago or so, um, and now I'm starting to think might have overdone it. <laughs> I might have to ease into a little bit more gently because oh, I'm not feeling great. Like I just feel like I feel like I'm going to be sore tomorrow, you know, which I suppose is the point of exercising. So. Anyway, I am grateful for a short episode because I am tired. So let's read this chapter and then I'll go to bed. <laughs> All right. Chapter 27. Weeks had two little rooms at the back of Frau Erlin's house and one of them, arranged as a parlor, was comfortable enough for him to invite people to sit in. After supper, Urged, perhaps by the impish humour which was the despair of his friends in Cambridge, Mass, he, Massachusetts, he often asked Philip and Hayward to come in for a chat. He received them with elaborate courtesy and insisted on their sitting in the only two comfortable chairs in the room. Though he did not drink himself with a politeness of which Philip recognised the irony, he put a couple of bottles of beer at Hayward's elbow and he insisted on lighting matches whenever, in the heat of argument, Hayward's pipe went out. At the beginning of their acquaintance, Howard, in the heat of argument... Sorry, I read that wrong. At, at the beginning of their acquaintance, Howard, as a member of so celebrated a university, had adopted a patronising attitude towards Weeks who was a graduate of Harvard, and when by chance the conversation turned upon the Greek tragedians, a subject upon which Hayward felt he spoke with authority, he had assumed the air that it was his part to give information rather than to exchange ideas. 
Weeks had listened politely with smiling modesty till Hayward finished. Then he asked one or two insidious questions, so innocent in appearance that Hayward, not seeing into what a quandary they led him, answered blandly. Weeks made a courteous objection, then a correction of fact after that a quotation from some little-known Latin commentator, then a reference to a German authority, and the fact was disclosed that he was a scholar. With smiling ease, apologetically, Weeks tore the pieces of all that Hayward had said. With elaborate civility, he displayed the superficiality of his attainments. He mocked him with gentle irony. Philip could not help seeing that Hayward looked a perfect fool. And Hayward had not the sense to hold his tongue in his irritation, his self-assurance undaunted. He attempted to argue. He made wild statements, and Weeks amicably corrected them. He reasoned falsely, and Weeks proved that he was absurd. Weeks confessed that he had taught Greek literature at Harvard. Howard gave a laugh of scorn. I might have known it, of course. You read Greek, read Greek like a schoolmaster, he said. I read it like a poet. And do you find it more poetic when you don't quite know what it means? I thought it was only in revealed religion that, it, that a mistranslation improved the sense. At last, having finished the beer, Hayward left Weeks' room, hot and dishevelled with an angry gesture, he said to Philip, of course the man's a pedant. He has no real feeling for beauty. Accuracy is the virtue of clerks. It's the spirit of the Greeks that we aim at. Weeks is like that fellow who went to hear Rubenstein and complained that he played false notes. False notes. What did they matter when he played divinely? Philip, not knowing how, how many incompetent people have found solace in these false notes, was much impressed. Hayward could never resist the opportunity which Weeks offered him of regaining ground lost on a previous occasion, and Weeks was able with the greatest ease to draw him into a discussion. Though he could not help seeing how small his attainments were beside the Americans, his British pertinacity, he wound his wounded vanity, perhaps they are the same thing, would not allow him to give up the struggle. Hayward seemed to take a delight in displaying his ignorance, self-satisfaction and wrong-headedness. Whenever Howard said, Hayward said something which was illogical, Weeks, in a few words, would show the falseness of his reasoning, pause for a moment to enjoy his triumph, and then hurry on to another subject as though Christian charity impelled him to spare the vanquished foe. Philip tried sometimes to put in something to help his friend, and Weeks gently crushed him, but so kindly, differently from the way in which he answered Hayward, that even Philip, outrageously sensitive, could not feel hurt. Now and then, losing his calm as he felt himself more and more foolish, Hayward became abusive, and only Ameri the American's smiling politeness prevented the argument from degenerating into a quarrel. On these occasions, when Hayward left Weeks' room, he muttered angrily, Damned Yankee! That settled it. It was a perfect answer to an argument which had seemed unanswerable. Though they began by discussing all manner of subjects in Weeks' little room, eventually the conversation always turned to religion. The theological student took a professional interest in it, and Hayward welcomed a subject in which hard facts need not disconcert him. When feeling is the gauge, you can snap your fingers at logic, and when your logic is weak, that is very agreeable. Hayward found it difficult to explain his beliefs to Philip without a great flow of words. But it was clear, and this fell in with Philip's idea of the natural order of things, that he had been brought up in the church by law established. 
Though he had now given up all idea of becoming a Roman Catholic, he still looked upon that communion with sympathy. He had much to say in its praise, and he compared favourably its gorgeous ceremonies with the simple services of the Church of England. He gave Philip Newman's Apologia to read, and Philip, finding it very dull, nevertheless read it to the end. Read it for its style, not for its matter, said Hayward. He talked enthusiastically of the music at the oratory and said charming things about the connection between incense and the devotional spirit. Weeks listened to him with a frigid smile. You think it proves the truth of Roman Catholicism that John Henry Newman wrote good English and that Cardinal Manning has a picturesque appearance? Haywood hinted that he had gone through much trouble with his song. For a year he had swum in a sea of darkness. He passed his fingers through his fair, waving hair and told them that he would not, for five hundred pounds, endure again those agonies of mind. Fortunately, he had reached calm waters at last. "'But what do you believe?' asked Philip, who was never satisfied with vague statements. "'I believe in the whole, the good and the beautiful.' Hayward, with his loose large limbs and the fine carriage of his head, looked very handsome when he said this, and he said it with an air. "'Is that how you would describe your religion in a census paper?' asked Week in mild tones. I hate the rigid definition. It's so ugly, so obvious. If you like, I will say that I believe in the church of the Duke of Wellington and Mr. Gladstone. That's the Church of England, said Philip. Oh, wise young man, resorted Hayward, with a smile which made Philip blush, for he felt that in putting into plain words what the other had expressed in a paraphrase, he had been guilty of vulgarity. I belong to the Church of England, but I love the gold and the silk which clothe the priest of Rome and his celibacy, and the confessional, and purgatory, and in the darkness of an Italian cathedral, incense-laden and mysterious, I believe with all my heart in the miracle of the Mass. In Venice I have seen a fisherwoman come in barefoot, throw down her basket of fish by her side, fall on her knees and pray to the Madonna, and that I felt was the real faith, and I prayed and believed with her. But I also believe in Aphrodite and Apollo and the great god Pan. He had a charming voice, and he chose his words as he spoke. He uttered them almost rhythmically. He would have gone on, but Weeks opened a second bottle of beer. Let me give you something to drink. Hayward turned to Philip, with the slightly condescending gesture which so impressed the youth. Now are you satisfied? he asked. Philip, somewhat bewildered, confessed that he was. I am disappointed that you didn't add a little Buddhism, said Weeks. And I confess I have a sort of sympathy for Mohammed. I regret that you should have left him out in the cold. Hayward laughed, for he was in a good humour with himself that evening, and the ring of his sentences still sounded pleasant in his ears. He emptied his glass. I didn't expect you to understand me, he said. With your cold American intelligence, you can only adopt the critical attitude. Emerson and all that sort of thing. But what is criticism? Criticism is purely destructive. Anyone can destroy, but not everyone can build up. You are a pedant, my dear fellow. The important thing is to construct... I am constructive, I am a poet. Weeks looked at him with eyes which seemed at the same time to be quite grave and yet to be smiling brightly. I think if you don't mind me saying so, you're a little drunk. Nothing to speak of, answered Hayward, cheerfully, and not enough for me to be unable to overwhelm you in an argument. But come, I have unbosomed my soul. Now tell us what your religion is. 
Weeks put his head on one side so that he looked like a sparrow on a perch. I've been trying to find that out for years. I think I'm a Unitarian. But that's a dissenter, said Philip. He could not imagine why they both burst into laughter. Haywood uproariously and Weeks with a funny chuckle. And in England, dissenters are gentlemen, aren't they? Asked Weeks. Well, if you ask me point blank, they're not, replied Philip rather crossly. He hated being laughed at and they laughed again. And will you tell me what a gentleman is? asked Weeks. Oh, I don't know. Everyone knows what it is. Are you a gentleman? No doubt it ever crossed Philip's mind on the subject, but he knew it was not a thing to state of oneself. If a man tells you he's a gentleman, you can bet your boots he isn't, he retorted. Am I a gentleman? Philip's truthfulness made it difficult for him to answer, and he was naturally polite. Oh, well, you're different, he said. You're American, aren't you? I suppose we may take it that only Englishmen are gentlemen, said Weeks gravely. Philip did not contradict him. Couldn't you give me a few more particulars, asked Weeks. Philip reddened, but growing angry, did not care if he made himself ridiculous. I can give you plenty. He remembered his uncle saying that it took three generations to make a gentleman. It was a companion proverb to the silk purse and the sow's ear. First of all, he's the son of a gentleman, and he's been to public school, and to Oxford or Cambridge. Edinburgh wouldn't do, I suppose, asked Weeks. And he talks English like a gentleman, and he wears the right sorts of things, and if he, if he is a gentleman, he can always tell if another chap's a gentleman. It seemed rather lame to Philip as he went on, but there it was. That was what he meant by the word, and everyone had, he had ever known had meant that too. It is evident to me that I am not a gentleman, said Weeks. I don't see why you should have been so surprised because I was a dissenter. I don't know what a Unitarian is, said Philip. Weeks, in his odd way, again put his head on one side. You almost expected him to twitter. A Unitarian, very earnestly, disbelieves in almost everything that anybody else believes, and he has a very lively, sustaining faith in he doesn't quite know what. I don't see why you should make fun of me, said Philip. I really want to know. My dear friend, I am not making fun of you. I have arrived at that definition after years of great labour and the most anxious nerve-wracking study. When Philip and Hayward got up to go, Weeks handed Philip a little book in a paper cover. I suppose you can read French pretty well by now. I wonder if this would amuse you. Philip thanked him and, taking the book, looked at the title. It was Renan's Vie de Jesus. All right, there we go. Another chapter read have your say on the subreddit thank you very much for listening and i will see you tomorrow